0: is Pop psych 101
1: welcome back to Pop psych 101 I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad here as always with my co-host executive producer and I told you he'd be back Mike Graham
0: I'm back and I'm
1: and this is the best I can do at this one <laughs> get to the podcast booth
0: <laughs> okay. I, I'll still never be good at at this part of the show, but I'm going to keep on trying. Uh, and that's my Arnold impersonation. You know, actually, I'm I have a good Arnold. And it it's wasn't just... bad,
1: <laughs> right up there with your Jackson Maine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? I've gotten some good feedback on that Jackson Maine, deservedly so. Well, welcome back, Mike. We're we're happy to have you. Um, it Thank was, you. It was a a unique challenge recording, uh, even though we had a, a wonderful guest in anxiety last week. But we're happy to have you back. You want to tell the listeners a little bit about what's been going on for you?
0: Absolutely, yeah, sure. Uh, well, first off, I do want to also just shout out and say thank you, Anxiety, Marie. Thank you so much for taking my place last week and coming on and, and uh, you know dealing with Ryan. You know, for a whole hour. No, yeah, I'm just kidding. no, I, I agreed. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and it was an excellent episode too. Uh, Inside Out, what an excellent movie. It was perfect for her. She's, you know, we went on her show, and she's a Disney person, and it just what a perfect kind of thing that happened. But as far as me being gone, we just kind of wanted to acknowledge that. Yeah, I I kind of had a crash last week. Uh, you know, I've acknowledged my mental health stuff, and we don't know if it was med stuff or not. Like they've sure, my psychiatrist has been kind of working with dosages, and because I've been feeling really great and normal recently.
1: Normal quote in general, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just been feeling really good recently, and suddenly it, it just kind of came out of the blue. I, I kind of got hit like a punch to the back of the head. I just all of a sudden, I, I started doing that thing where you're you kind of start isolating yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, three or four days where I kind of wore the same clothes, Uh, yeah, like uh, bathing habits were going out the window. So it was like a, a whole bunch of signs of depression, but but what was really strange, and this isn't this isn't super normal for kind of how it operates for me, but I was also at the same time experiencing really intense symptoms that I normally get. Like I don't know if anyone saw the video that I made for Inside Out
1: last week. Super cool three D, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's this really kind of advanced video for even my own skills, and I did that because I was in this really
1: intense mode. Mm.
0: And so uh, was norm- it would be
1: fair to say that you used that as a sort of coping skill, like to sort of focus in on something.
0: Yeah, yes, absolutely. Because I was feeling terrible. And sure. when I focus on stuff like that, it it just goes away for a while. Anyway, the reason we really wanted to talk about this and besides the fact that I was gone and to let everyone know that it happens and it's OK to take a break if you have to, you know, when Ryan jumped in and, and anxiety came in. They just had my back. My wife had my back. Everyone had my back. But we just wanted to acknowledge the fact that I've dealt with this for a long time. You know, if you're just starting out and you don't know what's going on uh, and you're wondering what's going on with therapy and things, there's a lot to learn there. And the example being, if this was 10 years ago and these same symptoms had popped up on me, this exact episode could have put me on my butt for six months. And and like, I kid you not, like this would have been a total bruiser for me. Even so, Brianna, my wife, she's learned a lot too. And she was able to recognize the sort of extreme symptoms that were being presented. And she took action along with me. And I was also able to let those things happen, whereas I might have fought those years ago. Mm. Anyway, so we did the right things. We took the steps that we've learned, or at least some of them. Uh, it's only a week later, and I'm already feeling... 80% better.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. And I'm obviously, I'm glad to have you back.
0: I, I'm able to attempt my Arnold. That's where <laughs> I'm at. <Whoa! laughs>
1: Not only are you back, but we have some more guests on our, on our episode this week, Mike.
0: That's right. Uh, we are actually
1: having both of our wives on today. My wife, Brianna, will be on. And my wife Jen uh, will be on, and they will be talking to each other. We're talking. We're taking ourselves completely off the show.
0: Uh, yeah, and I think it's appropriate because we're doing we're doing Tolly today. If you don't know what Tolly is, Tolly is a movie, and it's kind of going over postpartum depression. And we thought it only appropriate that maybe a couple of guys shouldn't be the only people giving a perspective on that. So we called in the cavalry.
1: Uh, yeah, probably the the artillery would be a more appropriate uh, reference <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I think the the audience is really gonna enjoy uh, what they have to say about this movie and the sort of cultural uh, factors at play as well. So, so without further ado, let's let's get to our our piece up front and then please stick around for Bree and Jen's thoughts and feelings about Tully after the break. I was really in love with her. I wanted. To- Oh God! what are you okay? fine. I want to tell you something
0: and I no, I have to go first.
1: Well, really? It better be really good because I'm
0: like laying my
1: shit out yeah. of here. I have to leave.
2: Where? Oh, I can't work for you anymore.
0: Sorry, I don't want to tell you at the house. but you're quitting? No, you can't quit.
3: I have to. What is it, another family or something? Because I just need you to stay a little bit lo- longer. You know, because I need your help. Please. I can't.
0: Today we are covering the 2018 film Tully, starring Charlize Theron as Marlowe and Mackenzie Davis as Tully. Marlo is a New York suburbanite who's about to give birth to her third child. Her husband, Drew, is loving and works hard but remains clueless about the demands that motherhood puts on his wife. When the baby is born, Marlo's wealthy brother sees her becoming overwhelmed and hires a night nanny named Tully to help his sister handle the stress. Hesitant at first, Marlo soon learns to appreciate all that Tully does, forming a special bond with her new life-saving friend.
1: All right, Mike. So here we are with Charlize Theron as Marlowe in this really intense movie being Tully. By the yeah, way, th- I, thank you. Um, I should say thank you to our Facebook group for suggesting this movie, because what a way to come out of Inside Out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, we got to go back into the intense and what a way to, to for me to come back. Right. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, it this was a really intense one. I'm so happy that that your wife and my wife are coming to help us out with this because there's a lot of perspective here that I just think that you and I aren't going to be able to, as far as just looking at it, aren't going to be able to, to attach to. But I think there's a lot of questions as far as like your profession and uh, just a general, like, what's going on with this that are, like, sitting there for us to look at.
1: Yeah, and so before we do that, one of the reasons that I was really happy to have uh, Jen and Bree on, they're going to be on, obviously, a little bit later, is I want to be totally upfront with the listeners, and that is to say, uh, obviously, Mike and I are not mothers, so we're not going to sit here and tell you that this is a realistic or not portrayal of what it's like to be a mother. And I, as a therapist, and I was trying to think back, Mike, I don't know that I have ever in my somewhat long at this point uh yeah uh, mental health career have actually treated somebody for postpartum depression that's not to say that i haven't worked with patients who have experienced it in their lifetimes but oh, wow. it's not something that i have direct clinical experience with so i want to acknowledge that up front and that's why we're we're keeping our sort of section a little bit short because My perspective is going to come from uh, research and training and things that I've done, obviously, addressing these areas. But I I want to acknowledge that I have not treated any patients specifically for postpartum issues.
0: I mean, just before we even get going here real quick, and I'll just make this fast, that just immediately jumps out and makes me think, does that just tell you that the ladies out there aren't seeking help when they have this happening to them?
1: So uh, in part, yeah. And I think what, what jumped out to me is that for for moms, and again, I'm gonna tread lightly because I don't want to speak for moms, but in my experience in working with moms, you know, because the focus is so much on the needs of everybody else, the kids, even the husband to a certain extent, that taking that step for themselves, and, and we talk a lot about on Pop Psych that self-care is not selfish, but it it feels like it. And again, in the conversations that I've had with my wife, as I'm sure you've had with yours. That the idea yeah. of like taking time out to go see a therapist once a week just feels like, in some cases, a bridge too far. Like, well, I, oh, have, I have to go back to work, or I have to focus on you know uh, pumping or doing all these things that, it, that come with being a mom. That it's it's really hard to take that time.
0: And for whatever reason, in, in <laughs> we're gonna disclaimer the crud out of this. I know. <laughs> But, and I don't want to speak for every mom out there, but for my wife, she, yeah, the guilt just seems there. Like, she feels like she has to do everything. Yeah. And for, she just feels like that burden's on her. So, yeah, to, to have something going on with her and for her to think, I got to take work off and go do this thing once a week is really difficult for her. But also, and not to even take it there, but there's also this thing going on with her or, with the people maybe at her work or maybe this is happening elsewhere where they're already, they just got back from this extended maternity leave and now, now they have to take extra time off. And there's a lot of guilt with uh, people judging them and that kind of stuff happening. And just
1: right. Just the idea that that therapy would be time off is is kind of crazy, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That, that, taking care of yourself, that getting that treatment or getting that support that you might need would be like a, akin to a vacation is is really problematic. So I think we we want to acknowledge up front here that any of these symptoms that we're going to talk about, if, if these are things that you're experiencing, that you do have to be proactive because as we see in this movie, uh, a lot of times, whether it be your your doctors or your husbands or your your brothers or sisters, they're not necessarily going to Come to you and say, you know, it seems like you're you're really struggling here. Have you thought about going into therapy? Even if they should be doing that, a lot of times it's going to be just going to be like, oh, well, you, you're you're glowing, or you seem so happy, or you know, the baby seems so happy. Like the attention gets kind of twisted around. So it is problematic that absolutely, you know, that frankly, I haven't seen this, and I'm thinking back, and I've probably seen more dads who are, um, I won't say going through their own postpartum issues, but like who are coping along the way with their uh, partners Sure. Then I have seen moms. So that certainly says a lot. Hmm.
0: So I think that brings us to the opening of this movie. You're yeah. just talking about how it sort of happens in the beginning of things. And with this movie opens with uh, Marlo. Yep. She's already pregnant. She has two children. She has Jonah and Sarah. Sarah's the oldest. Jonah's her middle child. He's, I think, around five years old. Jonah is an incredibly difficult child. I was even kind of asking unique. questions. Yeah, yeah. unique is what they keep describing him as. Yeah, he's just, he he's hard, he's a hard kid. You know, I think a lot of parents can relate to that. There, some yeah. kids are just harder than other kids.
1: For a lot of different reasons, sure.
0: Correct. And so kind of my first questions were popping up here, and we kind of have to go quick with this one today because there's a big back end here today. But she is pregnant and on maternity leave, about to give birth and she already seems like defeated. Like she's, she doesn't look like she, you know, they say she's glowing. Like you were talking about before, but Mm -hmm. she's not. I was going to ask from, from what you know, as far as postpartum depression symptoms and things, I know postpartum means after birth, but can this like depression stuff, can this start before they, uh, they even
1: give birth? So, I'll say yes, and and especially in the case like Marlowe's, because and this is a really important warning. I sign or I should say a predictive factor when it comes to preparing yourself for possible issues postpartum, and that's if you've had depression before or anxiety before or or even. Uh, psychosis before, your your likelihood of experiencing postpartum mental health issues is that much higher. So we know with Marlowe that she had some depression after the birth of Jonah, that really heightening the likelihood that she was going to again experience some postpartum issues with uh, their third child, Mia. So for sure, you know, Marlowe's sort of anticipation of those uh, so early weeks and months definitely could have led to her having some almost like anticipatory depression. And she even says in the car, um, it's like like she's scared for sure. And well, and well, scared, even just depressed. She says in the car at one point before giving birth, I think she says, I'm going to kill myself. And then the dad has to kind of quickly say, Oh, mom's just kidding. But like, she says that in full view of her, of her two children. So we really get this clear picture that um, Marlo is not in a good place before she even gives birth.
0: Right. So things kind of continue. She gives birth to Mia Just kind of moving along quickly here. Her brother knows and is worried about her. Quote-unquote, hires a night nanny for her named Tully. Uh, Tully shows up, and we already see this leads up or builds up from seeing that she is overwhelmed. I mean, this has just taken her completely down. She, she, She can't keep up at this point. Screaming in the car, saying, your favorite line, I'm fine. Just, I mean, it was, you know, I'm watching it and just feeling terrible for her. Yeah. Remembering and thinking about my wife and, and just thinking about how hard, how hard this is. So Tolly comes in to kind of help relieve this overwhelming experience. First off, I was going to ask before the Tolly questions was, during this overwhelming period, we see her just start shutting down. Is being overwhelmed the same thing as postpartum depression? was the question that i had
1: sure so there is sort of like a spectrum of postpartum mental health issues there's what's commonly referred to as like the baby blues which is uh, which again according to my research up to 80 percent of mothers have these feelings for a week or two following childbirth and that's completely normal and usually fades within a couple of weeks so that baby blues is like a little sad worried fatigued what we think of as, as like almost like a normal presentation of like You know, as we saw this sort of montage of Marlowe changing diapers and not sleeping at night and sleeping during the day, just sort of felt like, oh, yeah, this is this is what post childbirth is like. Right. Right. But postpartum depression is a lot more powerful, affects only about 15 percent of mothers. It's much more serious. And we do see some symptoms in uh, Marlowe that are indicative of postpartum depression. So we mentioned um sort of mood swings, right? She has this sort of anger outbursts at times. She screams in the parking lot of the school. So I wanna I wanna pause for a moment here and say one of the biggest difficulties about um postpartum issues is the lack of sleep. Lack of sleep is one of the biggest predictors of depression, basically, that there are. So it's it's mm. so important that sleep be a priority for parents. That when these issues start to occur, the lack of sleep, the exhaustion, even being exhausted, but not being able to sleep in case of like intrusive thoughts, negative thoughts, anxious thoughts, is just making the situation worse and worse and worse. And that's the sense that we start to see as we see the reality, spoiler alert, of who Tully is, right? Right.
0: Okay, so I think a couple things we really wanted to address here is, is we wanted to talk about Tully. We kind of see what postpartum depression is, and we know that Jen and Brie are going to talk a lot about that in their yes. perspective on it. We really wanted to cover other aspects of the reality of what we do actually see in Tully, and I think they're trying, metaphorically trying to show us postpartum psychosis.
1: Well, it's it's maybe not metaphorically, right? Because I think there is at least acknowledged that Marlowe, is in fact seeing someone, in some cases, that's not there. And they do this sort of post-montage where they show, like, Marlo was actually alone at the bar. And Mar- Marlo was actually alone, you know, taking care of Mia overnight. She references seeing Tully downstairs to her husband, Drew. So we know that, and if we're just taking this at face value, that if she's actually seeing someone, then that absolutely is what we would call a hallucination or a delusion. Um, that she's seeing someone who's who's not there.
0: So I, I was wondering because because I told you like we were texting about it. Yep. And like this threw me for a thousand loops. I you were like, why are you so concerned about this episode? And I finally had to come out and say, totally, is Tyler Durden like she's <laughs> Fight Club? So I was like so confused about it. And obviously, yeah. I, I don't know a lot about this stuff. I was wondering like how realistic it was for someone going through this extreme postpartum difficulties to like realistically see somebody and interact with somebody. Because I, I think there's a lot of people out there that actually have issues with the end of this movie mm-hmm. is what, why a couple people asked us to cover it, actually.
1: Yeah, because it is this sort of question of, is this a metaphor? Is this something that she's really experiencing? So it's tough, right? Because as we talked about in our episode about um, a beautiful mind, it's not necessarily very common for people to actually see real live people in their homes or in their daily interactions and to be interacting with them under the impression that they're really there. But that's not to say that it can't happen, just as we said in Beautiful Mind, just because this is not the common presentation doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. Right. As far as we know, Marlowe could actually be seeing, and that's one of the things is that Sleep deprivation is such a huge predictor also of things like delusions and hallucinations that it sort of raises the stakes about how possible this is. So for me, this is much more uh, a realistic presentation than actually A Beautiful Mind was. Wow.
0: I also wanted to say that like re-examining it, I was thinking about, and this is just kind of to reassure anyone that I don't think they were as irresponsible as some people think, Towards the end, that scene where you find out that Tully's actually herself
1: mm-hmm. when she was
0: in her twenties.
1: Yep. It sort of implied that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then when they go through her memories of when Tully was helping her, the memories of her alone, to me, when I when I look at those memories, she clearly knows she's alone. And like the way she's sitting there, she's like, she knows she's alone at the bar when I'm looking at it, I'm trying to think that like Tully is her metaphor of where she really wanted. Like she was, I mean, that's, that's where I'm thinking anyway. Well, yeah. So you see what I'm saying.
1: So, yeah. So let me put it this way, whether or not she's literally seeing Tully next to her at the bar. We, we talk a lot about here uh, on pop psych about internal dialogue. Sort of what people can be thinking. So, we know that Marlowe has a lot of negative thoughts about herself as a mom, as someone who's, you know, sort of doing what she thinks a mom is or what she thinks a mom should be able to do. So so you're right And that she might not be literally seeing Tully at the bar with her. She might know that she's alone. But internally, she might be like talking to the younger version of herself. Like that's what her internal dialogue might look like. Right. And, and that's that's really intense. And that's how. You know, obviously that's the sort of peak of Marlo's symptoms is really she uh, leaves the house impulsively, obviously drives intoxicated, yeah. ends up in this, this very intense uh, car accident, probably almost dies really, right? Yeah. So in that sense, there's definitely metaphorical things that are happening, but there's no question for me that, especially due to her sleep deprivation, that there are some a real representation of how serious Marlowe's sort of internal presentation has shifted.
0: Okay. So the last thing I kind of wanted, I was hoping that we could cover. I wanted to talk about Drew real quickly. Yeah, sure. And I thought that it was only appropriate that we did kind of acknowledge Drew. So the movie showed her husband, Drew as this like hardworking husband who was going in and out of town. And then he would come home and do homework with Sarah and Jonah and so he was like this really great dad, or at least it was showing that he was a trying hard dad. And then he would go to bed and then they kind of gave him this excuse where, well, he thought Tolly was there. So now he's going to sleep. I guess. <laughs> what was your opinion of uh, what was your opinion of Drew?
1: Well, um, suffice it to say, I don't think he was connected <laughs> enough to his wife. And, you know, yeah. he. You know he he made a lot of the errors that would be worked out in something like couples therapy where we would be sort of helping him really to understand what his his version of support looks like and the version of support that Marlowe might most benefit from would look like, yeah because and even even little things like things that he says to her that are pretty invalidating. Jen and Breed are going to talk a lot about that and and we'll probably cover it some more separately. But when it comes to support system, it's really important, obviously, as we acknowledged up front, a lot of times people who are experiencing postpartum issues aren't going to get treatment until some really extreme symptoms are present, like Marlo in the case where she's in this car accident um, or is essentially hallucinating a, a night nanny. Right, And even the
0: husbands aren't noticing
1: yeah. Or he, he's just taking it at face value. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Even if he's starting to get suspicious that it feels like something feels off, he doesn't really say anything. Yeah. He doesn't confront um Marlo on some of the things he might be noticing. He just kind of yeah. does his own thing. He goes on work trips and he plays video games at night. And as far as he knows, everything is hunky dory.
0: I guess this one just kind of, you know, I relate to everything. <laughs> if you have, if you've listened to the show, I relate to everything. And there was a part of me that felt guilty watching drew big time.
1: I, I apologize to my wife several times after watching this movie.
0: Yeah. Cause it's like, you think you're, you know, you feel overwhelmed and because everyone does, I mean, we have to admit that, but then it's sure. like, this isn't about you. Right. And, and there's somebody on the other side and it's a, it's a thousand, 5,000 times more difficult for them and you look back and you're like did I do enough was I supportive enough did I you know or did I put her through the same things that Drew let happen to Marlo
1: right or that he even contributed to to how she might have been feeling right yeah so I'm I'm sorry Brianna <laughs> and, and I'm sorry Jen
0: <laughs> well anyway uh, guys we we do have to keep this as short as possible so we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna be back with Jen and Brianna
1: You are listening to Pop Psych 101, a show discussing mental health and pop culture through two perspectives, a therapist and an advocate. We explore the accuracies of how mental illness is portrayed in movies, books, and television for better or worse.
2: Yeah, so I'm Bree, Mike's wife, the patient perspective of Pop
3: Psych 101. And I'm Jen, Ryan's wife. And he is a therapist, but I am certainly not. (laughs) (laughs) So we kind of thought it would be good for us to get our two moms perspectives on Tully because it is truly a mom's movie, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I thought we'd lead off by kind of talking a little bit about, number one, things that pregnant ladies hate. Oh, so many. Oh, my God. Right? How? I, I don't know about you, but I felt like... I constantly was on the receiving end of unsolicited advice. Yes. Right?
2: Yes. Yeah. All over the place. And just comments on my size. Yes. I'm naturally thin anyways. And it just was hard for me to hear like, oh, you don't even look like you're pregnant. Mm. you know, all the way up um, from family members and people that were close to me. And they meant it as a compliment. Um, even at the end, they were like, oh, from behind, you can't even tell you're pregnant. And it's like all those comments you don't realize um, unless you're that person, how it comes across as judgmental no matter what. Like, I'm eating, I promise. <laughs> so
3: I, man, that's difficult for me. The second you said that that comment about, oh, you don't even look pregnant, I don't know Obviously, because it's recording, no one can hear my eye roll, but (laughs) that was how I felt whenever someone would say that to me, because positive or not, you don't want to have to think about your appearance in that moment, because you know you have no control. There's nothing you can do about it, good or bad. Yeah, I know, and we don't glow. No, We're not
2: glowing. Don't tell us we're glowing. We know we have bags under our eyes because (laughs) we were up all night, possibly throwing up, possibly with Braxton Hicks, especially at the end. Oh, oh, another one I always hated was sleep now because when the baby gets here, you're not going to sleep. And... It's like, okay, well, I'm not sleeping now either right. because the baby's already here. It's just in my body, kicking yeah. me in the back and in the <laughs> bladder and keeping me up all night. So it didn't really matter. So you just take it with a grain of salt, I guess.
3: Yeah, I. but I feel like other women do this to each other too. And oh, I for always sure. think, hey, you were me. You were a mom. I, I mean, didn't you remember that you hated being told you were glowing or... I mean, I had people say I did not have the problem of, of not looking pregnant at all. I very, very much looked pregnant. <laughs> and I was told on more than one occasion, you look like you're ready to pop. And yep. Uh-huh.
2: Ugh, it's awful. That's a popular one. I had a friend of mine, and she was told that it looks like you're having twins. Are you sure you're not <sighs> having twins?
3: Unreal. Yeah.
2: And she ended up having health issues at the end. And it had a comment made by a nurse that had stepped out of the room, and then she had stepped out. To ask a question and heard the nurse talking to another nurse about her weight and her doctor had never mentioned it to her and they were keeping an eye on everything but the the nurse had kind of made a nasty side-handed comment and i remember how upset she was when she was telling me about it and crying because we put so much pressure on women to have an appearance yes all the time But especially when they're pregnant, they're supposed to look healthy and glowing and not gain too much weight, but also not, you know, look underweight. Even people that work out, women that work out. A few years ago, there was that woman that had abs While she was still pregnant. Right. All the comments that had come on that, like she and she had rebutted with the whole, you know, my doctor knows my diet regimen. My doctor knows my exercise regimen and said it would be perfectly healthy. This is what my body's used to. I promise you my baby is healthy. And then she posted a picture after her son was born. I believe it was a son um, saying, see, he's fine. But it doesn't matter what your body looks like people are going to have opinions on it, especially when you're carrying life. It's even worse because you're more sensitive.
3: Yes. And that's the other thing that pregnant ladies get so much of is advice and opinions. Oh, you should nurse. Oh, you shouldn't nurse. Oh, you need to be doing this. Oh, don't exercise. Oh, you should be exercising four times a week. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's great. You have your opinion and that's wonderful. But There has to be some space for moms to just be able to make their own decision and and decide what's best for their bodies and for their families. The decaf coffee lady in Tully. Oh, my gosh. How annoying was she? There's traces (laughs) of caffeine in decaf. Okay, lady, back off. (laughs) I know.
2: And what if she was getting a coffee? Yeah. You know, like what if she was? You're allowed. As far as my doctor said, you could have a 12 ounce cup of coffee. A day yes and i made sure until i had heartburn really bad and when i was nauseous i drank coffee and luckily no one said anything to me but i could not imagine if someone had tried to tell me i luckily i've never been a big caffeine drinker like i didn't have to wean myself off of any sort of pop but i couldn't imagine if i was a soda drinker like a regular one right i'd had to do that i mean you give up so much and i remember a friend of mine she quit smoking then she found out she was pregnant, and so then she stayed quitting smoking, but it was hard. She did was supposed to do it because that's what she wanted to do, and then she got pregnant, and then she had all this stress, and she couldn't eat what she wanted, and she was nauseous, and I remember telling her, it's okay sometimes to resent your unborn baby. It's just a little kernel in there now. And it's already affecting your life so much. Yeah. And she, she just started crying. And she was like, I just feel so bad. Like, I want this baby. But I do. I resent it for making me nauseous and making me so hormonal. And I fight with my husband. And we never fight because I'm just so sensitive about everything. And it does. It changes you so much like hormone wise. And so it doesn't help that people ask questions. And now that I'm two kids done and haven't been pregnant for a while i'll find myself sometimes around a pregnant person and want to ask the questions that i know i shouldn't ask
0: <laughs> say the
2: questions i shouldn't you know say right and then I, right. I have to stop myself and be like she already gets asked 75 million times is it a boy or is it a girl Right, You You know, so unless I know that person well, I try to just be like, hey, cute shoes.
3: (laughs) Yeah. We should all agree as pregnant ladies and prior pregnant ladies or just as women in general to support each other. If you see another pregnant woman on the street or another woman, uh, any pregnant woman on the street, you just say your shoes look lovely today. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's it. I love it. So and that's one of the things I liked about this movie was that I felt like it It spoke a lot about kind of things that we don't talk about when we're going through the pregnancy, like you said, with your friend. And she was starting to feel resentful, even though she wants the baby and, of course, loves the baby. Tully was very clearly dealing with some of those issues when she was downstairs with her brother and they were talking about the night nurse. And he kept saying, you need to be happy. I mean, firstly, that's really presumptuous of him to assume that he knows her feelings. Her well enough, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. But I think it was good to talk about, oh, hey, you were dealing with something last time. This could happen again.
2: Oh, for sure. And I think that if you're at a socioeconomic status where you can afford um, a night nurse or a <laughs> postpartum doula yeah. or something that is an additional support or like a lactation consultant that can come to your house you know and there are a lot of resources out there now but it's hard to find them i think especially if you're in a lower income status but i think you should use them i don't think that it should be looked at as a shameful thing that you can't handle it and i think as mothers we put that on ourselves a lot but Our society also does that. Yes. Yes. So that's really frustrating and tough a lot of times to to be a mother and to have expectations that we put on ourselves, but also expectations that society puts on us. And so breastfeeding is one of those things that I was lucky enough to do it with both of my children. But I have friends that formula fed from the beginning. I had friends that tried to breastfeed and weren't able to, and then formula fed and Anytime I've been around anybody that's trying to establish a relationship with a new baby, nursing, while it's a natural thing, does not come naturally. You have to learn how to do it. Oh, and so does the baby. It's so much work and it's exhausting. And so I'm not going to judge a mother who prioritizes her sleep or her own health or if she does happen to have postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety or has to have family members step in and help feed that baby i'm not going to judge her for not choosing to have a breastfeeding relationship and i'm definitely not going to judge somebody for feeding their kids chicken nuggets you know and because eventually all of them become toddlers and they eat peas off the floor like that's just (laughs) what they do so we're all there
3: i my position on that is always hey is your kid getting sustenance (laughs) did you keep that kid alive for another day good job well done your job is complete. Like, yes, well exactly. done. So I also want to talk about one of the things this movie does get us talking about is postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, and I feel like it's probably a lot more common, and people around the moms miss it a lot because especially in Tully, you kind of see she's meeting the needs of her family, meaning the two oldest kids, the baby is thriving, the husband is getting laid, for lack of a better word. But at the end of the day, she's not meeting her own needs. And I wonder, I saw, at least after I had my daughter, you know, you're constantly going to the doctors for the pediatrician visits, but at least here in Jersey, you have, you leave the hospital and you do not see another doctor specifically for the mom until six weeks after when you see your OBGYN. And I find that to be kind of outrageous. It is.
2: And I think even seeing an OBGYN six weeks after, they were cared more about my physical health. They yes. wanted to make sure that like the healing, you know, from the placenta had like healed over yes. and that I had stopped bleeding. Right. And that <laughs> physically I was okay. I was Which ready to go out into the world. Yeah. And be a person again. Right. And I was good about that and I was happy. But I don't even remember if I filled out a questionnaire. I know that I had I've spoken to a couple of mothers um in my mother's group about watching this movie and how polarizing it was right. and their thoughts on it. And that was one of the things they brought up is that a few of them had been given a questionnaire at like I six was. weeks. I was. Yeah. And it was like, do you have feelings that you're going to harm your baby? Right. Do you cry a lot? And they said, the questionnaire is completely useless. Yes. A hundred percent useless. But yes, I cry all the time. Right. But it's not for unnecessary reasons. It's because everything is exhausting right yes. now. You know, it's normal. So I think that... Outside of that, you don't get any support whatsoever. And even in the movie, you do see that in her brother and her husband when they kind of talk about it. Her brother kind of talks about it a little bit like last time with the last one. You kind of had some problems. And then her husband makes a mention to the doctor or the nurse towards the end of the movie that, oh, she's never had depression. Uh, well, with the last baby, she kind of had a little bit, but it's like they, they are too uncomfortable or even embarrassed to like just say it. Right. Yeah. She had postpartum depression and it's an embarrassing thing. Like something was broken
3: with her instead of just being accepting of it. Right. It's a ch- it's a complete change of your hormones that you're going through it should be accepted and we should be able to talk about oh hey this is a really hard time for families and for moms to deal with and they don't have a lot of control over what they're feeling and what they're dealing with actually they have no control most of the time so it shouldn't be a shameful thing side note yeah. i really hated that dad
2: it, i know <laughs> it was it was hard i know they were i felt like um he definitely had like absent father syndrome Yeah. Yeah. Mike was like, well, this isn't very accurate. But Mike is a very active father. You know, he changes diapers and he does dishes and he brushes teeth. And, you know, he does all of those things. And and while I still think that. And it might just be me being biased, but more of like the familial roles and mother roles. Like I cook dinner every night. He's a terrible cook, you know, things like that. (laughs) Things like that. I budget, you know, the things like that do still fall to me. But he does everything he can to be an active participant, you know, like in our partnership. And I'm lucky. I'm really lucky. But I did tell him that just because this doesn't look like normal to you doesn't mean that it's not normal in our society and considered acceptable especially for stay-at-home mothers, to be considered so you don't work, you know, type of opinion. And like your husband works out of the home. He might work long hours. He doesn't do any diaper changes. I know a lot of mothers that say, oh, my husband doesn't change any diapers. My husband doesn't clean. And I just, that frustrates me for them. And But at the same time, I try to remember that every household has their own dynamic and people figure out what works for them. But... In this this movie, uh, he failed in a lot of ways in his role as her supporter.
3: One of my problems with this was his portrayal, actually, because one, I felt, yes, he missed a lot that he should have caught in terms of what she was dealing with. But Mm. I also kind of felt like he was so bad that it was a little unrealistic and it kind of gave the... (laughs) I hate to say cop out to some guys of, oh, well, I'm not that bad. Or I at least knew how to change a diaper. Or I would never say, oh, no one was there watching the baby when I was there alone. Because he says that at the end in the hospital, oh, "Oh, she Uh left and no one was watching the baby. That it kind of annoyed me. The idea that they kind of wrote him so out of the picture I kind of wish he had a little bit more nuance and a little bit more uh, shade, I guess, or was yeah. more fully developed because I just don't want it to be, well, I'm better than that, so I get a trophy or I get a yeah, cookie. Yeah, go me. Right, like, no, you're, you help, you took, you know, you helped create this child. To me, my expectation, and at least for for my personal is, no, we both created this child, so therefore, we both have to take equal care of This person. <laughs>
2: I agree. Definitely. But I do think that that it is an accurate portrayal for how our society um, is easy on fathers. Yeah. And hard oh, on. Yes, mothers. Yeah. I can remember my husband coming home from Best Buy. He had to go to Best Buy for something. Who knows if he really even needed anything. And he took our (laughs) um, toddler with him. Right. And he came home and he told me this jolly story about how Ben was just acting like a crazy person and running through the store. And he was having to chase after him. And now all the other people in the store were just chuckling along with him. And, you know, just like, oh, that dad. He's got a wily one on his hands. (laughs) And I said, if I had been there... Mm -hmm
3: hmm. What what would they have said about the mom who couldn't yeah, control, she needs her to control her baby control her child? Yes. yes.
2: And he said, you're absolutely right. I never even thought of that, even if and then he made the point that even if we were together there, they still would have judged me. Yes. And not him. Yeah. As a father. And so it's yeah. Society does that to the parental roles. And I think that movie did do a jo- good job, at least of portraying that. that like, yes. That's a that's a common father. And he's not
3: so bad. Right. Right. He's not so bad. And then at the end, you know, oh, he tries. He's helped making make lunch. Okay. Good job, dude. Can you like actually make lunch by yourself? I don't. (laughs) Is that that complicated to cut up some peanut butter and jelly for kids?
2: Yes, I agree. Even when he came home in one of the dinner scenes, he came home and he. And and Mike (laughs) made a good point, too. Sorry, I'm going off track. No, he made a good point, too, that you didn't see him holding the baby not one time throughout the movie until the yeah. very end and in that dinner scene when he walked in he just bent down over mia and said mm-hmm. oh, give me a smile are you smiling at me and then was like oh i thought we weren't gonna do screen time oh frozen pizza again like type of you know comment as right. she was sitting at the table with the kids and it was like mm, if you want Screen time to not be a thing, right? And he said, "Oh, well, that was what you said. That was like your rule. Okay. Well, then, as her partner, you can see how tired she is. So you step in and take the time to enforce that rule. You know, unfortunately, she's she needs a more supportive role after having a baby, and that's for dads to be there.
3: That's just how it is. I I completely agree. And going back, she also said." That she was on maternity leave, so that meant that beforehand she also, I mean, assuming that she said she worked in HR, I believe, human resources. So she had a full time job before then, and I was interested. They didn't really show any part of that. They kind of left the working mom part out. They just focused on the mom role after she was home, which I thought was an interesting choice. That obviously the movie uh, must have made at some point, because the and part of the reason why. I thought this was interesting was that I think it showed how isolated she was and I just reflecting back on on how I felt I did find that that beginning six months honestly yeah the first three to six months was kind of isolating and especially for the first three or six months I was almost exclusively nursing and so even when we'd be out at a party you know, you're out with a group of people, but then you have to step away and be alone again um, if you're not comfortable yet yeah, nursing in public, which I know some people are, which is amazing. And I'm always like, well done, girl, like, go, go you. <laughs> um, but I thought the movie did a great job at showing the isolation that new moms feel. Did you think that this did you feel similarly? I did, actually.
2: I thought it was super important that they showed that isolation because one of the things that when I spoke to um, a few of the mothers in my mom's group about this movie and we had went over it, and one of the things that got brought up was that when you bring a baby home, especially with your first baby, the first few weeks, everybody's visiting you. Everybody's checking on you. Everybody's bringing you, you know, meals and doing your dishes. And then it just stops. Yeah. And when you have a second, it doesn't happen at all. You know, I I did have a few friends that brought over meals, but no one came over and helped me at all. No one. And so it does become even more isolating after the first couple of weeks Mm -hmm. when all of a sudden you don't have anybody that's there going, do you need anything? Yeah. You're just crying for no reason on the couch because you're tired and you have this new baby. And really, you don't know why you're crying. You just are because you have hormones that are just happening in your body. And so I do think that there is... There used to be a village, uh, it takes a village type of mindset in our society where all the women of the family pitched in. And now there isn't so much. And so mothers are left isolated and without the community support that they need to say, is this normal? Is he supposed to be nursing like this? Right. Is it supposed to hurt? You know, is is he sleeping through the night enough? It's only four hours at a time. Does this poopy diaper look normal? All these questions you have when the community mindset still was in our society. You had someone there to ask those questions to. Right. Which I do think that social media has helped a lot of moms with that, especially stay at home oh, moms. That, that's a good point. You see a lot of mom groups and that's where they get their support from in their community. and so i think that there's a plus for that.
3: yeah, i 100% agree with you on the societal change that the that we no longer have a community based society, i guess, and i do think that that puts us at a true disadvantage because we have all these changes that are happening and no one to really guide us through them, especially i mean, i'm lucky my my parents live very close to me, so Need be, I can always drop off my daughter over there. And I consider that truly very a lucky part of them living there. But for people whose parents aren't close or who have have passed on, you know, not having that resource and having to search out resources of lactation specialists and nurses and who do I call and can I afford them? I mean, that's a lot of work to, to add to the already <laughs> A kind of arduous process of taking care of a newborn baby. It's just a lot. I also, I wasn't sure how you experienced this. I I know that you. I'm not sure when you went back to work after having your kids, but I also feel like that would have been something that I would have liked to have seen in this movie because absolutely. I was just
2: getting ready to say that you read my mind because I was going to say I'm kind of sad that they didn't. Yes. cover that because it gets even
3: harder. Yes, it gets so much worse. <laughs> that That's what I wanted to go with. I felt like that was also a really big turning point where the anxiety kind of rocketed up to a whole new level. At, yes. at, personally, I can't speak obviously for every parent that's out there.
2: No, I think it's pretty common, especially with firstborns, that when you go back to work and you're no longer caring for their needs twenty four seven, and someone else is, you know, you're you're constantly worrying, like, oh, well, he only likes these sleepers, and you have to make sure if he spits up, you need to set him up after he eats because he gets acid reflux, and you know all these things. Is she going to know? that she needs to do these. And after my son, I got really lucky that Mike's sister was a huge help with our firstborn son and keeping him. And she always was super supportive of my decisions um, when it came to breastfeeding and baby led weaning and things when it came to teething and naps and things like that. She always was really supportive. And really both my mother's and Mike's mother were. So we got lucky that we had some family close by but Mike's sister, Brooke, was definitely my rock after um, my son was born. After my daughter was born, we put our kids into daycare. Mm-hmm. And that was a whole nother ball game of anxiety yeah. for having someone that you don't know keep your baby. Ugh, it's a tough one. And it does. It brings out a lot of anxiety not being able to see them all day or know what's right. going on, whether they're crying, whether they're in their crib. My daycare... Um, state standards they can't have any blankets on them and they can't fall asleep in any sort of swings or bouncers they have to fall asleep flat on their backs in their cribs right and at that point my daughter had only slept on my chest or in her co-sleeper um for small amounts of time when I could get her in there and in her rock and play. So I was terrified at six weeks, exhausted, no sleep, going back to work with a coffee in my hand and a stain on my shirt.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Thinking,
2: how is she going to sleep? Is she going to cry all day and not sleep at all? And then I'm going to have this cranky baby when I get home that I've missed so much. And so it's it's really tough. It
3: is. And one of the things I also wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, just because I I've gotten questions from other new moms is the feeling of, I feel excited to go back to work. And I said, you know, that's okay. Yes, absolutely that <laughs> it, is definitely okay I think that, that more than okay that's normal because you are so isolated when you're going through this process that it makes sense that you want to go back to the community that you know one and two that you go back to something that you've either trained for your whole life to do or you know you're good at and you yes. know how to do it every single day where when you have a kid you don't know what you're doing it's brand new even if it's your second. Yes. You know, the kid itself, the kid itself is brand new. So I just wanted to say that I wish they had touched upon that and showing that going back to work and being excited about going back to work is also normal, even if it is exhausting and it does kind of rack it up that that anxiety that you're kind of dealing with at the same time. Yes, I think it's a completely different fulfillment that
2: you yes. get. And there are benchmarks in your career, especially if if you enjoy it um, that show like you did a good job like that reconciliation is done for me because I'm an accountant so I got my reconciliations and there's like markers that show like positivity but with a baby it's really hard to see those right like yeah like is that gas or is that a smile I don't know are you happy (laughs) and so it's just it's just a day full of questions for stay-at-home mothers and so my heart goes out to them it's it's an amazing job to have you guys are all amazing
3: yeah. And just any new mom trying to deal with that, there is no, hey, yes, well done. Whereas when you are at work in an adult community, there is gratitude, typically. Typically. Yes, Not every Validation. Job. Definitely. Right. Yes. Validation. Yes, it's yes. Definitely. So I guess overall, I mean, what were your thoughts? I know Mike and Ryan always do specific ratings, but what did you think of the movie overall? What's your rating?
2: Um. Well, that was, this one's tough for me because it was a very polarizing movie. I definitely think it was an extreme case of postpartum depression, even bordering on postpartum psychosis. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure that it was realistic okay. what happened to her at the end, that, that hallucination. Maybe that's because it didn't happen to me. Or I don't have enough experience with that, but I know that after speaking to mothers about it, um, there was some disappointment in how it was portrayed, and and I agree with them on that. And so I, I'm gonna say, are we are we supposed to choose like Mike and Ryan choose? Sure. Um, okay, I'm gonna do it out of five gigolos. because I thought it was hilarious that she was watching that gigolo show in the background. Yeah, I love that. So I'm going to do three gigolos. I'm going to go in the middle because I do think that it was an important message. And I think that that it got across some important points. Um, And there was some poignancy to her saying farewell to her younger self um, at the end that I liked. But I think there were some detractors, too. Like you said, the father was a one shade character and I that bothered me a bit and I didn't like that it didn't show her at all as a professional woman when that was a part of her identity that was important too
3: yeah that actually makes a lot of sense and I was kind of wondering when you said that there was moms who were disappointed by it I I do see that as the lack of showing her as a full picture with her her job outside the house and also the dad being kind of so stereotypical, that that was kind of disappointing to me. I would give it a two. I'm gonna go with cupcakes. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes. Imaginary cup. Imaginary made by your. I guess what amounts to almost like an imaginary herself, <laughs> herself, her younger, her younger self? self. Yes, yes. Two cupcakes. One because I think the movie was really important. I think I don't ever remember seeing anything like this before, which gives it, I give it props for. But just because you do it doesn't mean you did it well. And I was disappointed with the dad, and you know, I just. Maybe I'm less disappointed with the movie and more disappointed on what it says about our society and and the pressure. I agree. That we put. It is a heavy
2: message, and yes. it just leaves you disappointed a little bit. Yeah, I agree.
3: Yeah, and I felt like it could have done a little bit more to kind of push and show we need to change the expectations on moms. Not simply, oh, this one dad needs to help with lunch. We we need an overhaul of the expectations that that what we put on moms and the resources that are available to moms. And that it's not realistic for
2: her to just get into a car accident, wake up and realize that she was imagining her younger self who is just getting her through a rough patch. And now she's better. Yeah. Because I wish that they would have covered the resources and the help that she should have gotten both from her husband, not just making sandwiches, but a support group and therapy and possibly medication, which needs to be normalized, especially when it comes to difficult cases of postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And I wish that they would have covered more of that. And I think they failed at that.
3: You know, I agree. And I actually before when Brie and I were talking before this, this we started, I said, I'm a little bit of a type A personality. So I also did a little bit of research into postpartum psychosis because that's what it presented to me. And obviously, again, in no way a therapist. So not an expert. That was just (laughs) what I took as it. And I was reading that. This is a really complicated issue for moms because there's not really mental health facilities that are ready to help moms because they also, you know, do they have things as simple as how frequently can they see their baby to continue to bond? Do they have uh, pumps if they're nursing moms? These are all logistics that are never really addressed in a typical mental health facility in a typical hospital that can really be jarring and affects the mom and baby's ability to bond. So those issues, you're right, the fact that she just kind of walks out of the hospital and fine, none of it addresses the major repercussions of what she was going to have to face to get better. And also, where was her DUI charge? Because she was driving while drunk. So also. I know. Actually,
2: I'm going to change it to two gigolos Uh, because now (laughs) I'm angry after we finish this part of it.
3: I took it down. I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) No, it's okay. It it was a valid point that I remembered. And then you compounded like definitely. So, yes. DUI. 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 Definitely.
3: And, you know, hopefully maybe the hospital didn't report her or the ambulance. They just took her straight to the hospital. But ugh, that's a Uh. tough one. That's well, a tough one.
2: I know. My heart goes out to Marlo and all of the mothers out there that are struggling with this. It's it's difficult, and you got to reach out. Absolutely, got to reach out to those new moms.
3: Reach out to your new mom friends. Call them, text them. Don't expect them to reply, but maybe just leave them a cup of coffee on their counter. Yeah. Like I've heard of some very nice people doing. Exactly. Yep.
0: Yeah. We do have to end the show. As always, thank you very much, Kevin McLeod, for all the music that we use on the show. You can find Kevin McLeod and his royalty-free music at incompetech.com. Ryan, thanks for having me and talking with me every week.
1: Okay, so a huge thank you again to Jen and Bree for carrying this important episode about postpartum issues as depicted in the movie Tully. I do want to emphasize a few warning signs as we wrap up today's show. As we mentioned there's a spectrum of what is and isn't healthy for new moms to experience after giving birth some things to look out for as a new mom or as a supportive partner are unexplained mood swings sleep or appetite problems lost interest in things you used to enjoy feeling overwhelmed hopeless or worthless or even thoughts about harming yourself or your baby it is important to take these symptoms seriously and not pass them off as a normal part of having a baby these symptoms can even let up at times as they appear to with Marlowe but it is important to seek support nonetheless. Postpartum depression, anxiety, or psychosis are not issues that should be treated without a doctor's input. There are several different kinds of support available outside of individual therapy as well. You can search for postpartum depression support groups, often offered for free by hospitals. Finally, there are even support numbers you can call if you're not sure where to start. 805-564-3888 is the number for Postpartum Education for Parents Warm Line, which is available for parents 24-7. For Mike Graham, I'm Ryan Ingolstadt. Thanks for listening to Pop Psych 101.